What's going on, everybody? This is Chris K with the Burning the Red Shirt podcast. Got Andrew P. Katz with us. Uh, another guest, another week. We have uh, JD Yonke from Debbie Watch with us, who uh, more recently released uh, like a just giant novel, something I've you know, in terms of like, if it was like a regular, like a, like a true book, I would never read something that large, but something that is uh, CFB related, I'm totally in on, but uh, JD Yonke from Debbie Watch. How's it going, man? Glad to have you on and, and tell us a little bit about what you got going on. Yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Um, summer here, it's 107 degrees out, or it was yesterday. This thing is 102 today. So just sitting inside some AC trying to, you know, talk about college football. So sounds good to me. Yeah. What, what part you're West coast, right? Yeah. I'm in the Valley. So it's hot and dry and allergies and miserable. Gotcha. It's on the ground for the conference. Yes. <laughs> Not too far from Fresno. Yeah. I got, I got some Fresno and San Jose state, you know? Oh, nice. Do you ever get to games? Yeah. Um, I actually never been to Fresno, but I try to pop over to San Jose state. Um, like they had a Friday game last year. They played UNLV. I like going to the Friday ones. Cause Saturday I want to sit and watch, you know, hundred yeah, games totally. at once. So yeah. I hate missing those. I think uh, San Jose State plays uh, Oregon State on the opening Sunday, I believe. Beautiful, so I uh, beautiful slate. Yeah. Does we San Jose State play USC to start the season in Week Zero too? They do. I think it's in SoCal Week Zero. Yeah. Oh, it's in, but it's at USC, obviously. Yeah. Do you think USC would ever go to San Jose State? Like, would that ever? That, that's beneath them, right? They shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, Virginia <laughs> Tech goes and plays at ODU, so who knows? Uh, Cool. Well, I mean, we're talking Mountain West this week. We've done uh, a bunch of different weeks, obviously. We've done Big Ten, Big 12 with Nate, uh, Sun Belt. We've done Conference USA. Uh, so we've done a bunch of different conferences here. JD to talk Mountain West. He's, he's on the pulse. He's right there at, at San Jose State, Fresno State kind of triangle. Which one do we want to start with, Andrew? Your choice. San Jose State Dude, or let, Fresno State? No, yeah, let's do, let's do San Jose State. Um, I... What I'm a, I'm a big fan of San Jose State uh, in recent years. Like it's been so much fun. Kind of when the offense has been working, it's kind of been okay through the quarterback. Some receivers running go routes and stuff like that. You can you kind of know where you want to go, where you need to go. I think from a fantasy perspective, uh, both from a season long uh, outlook and then DFS as well. It feels like we're kind of trending. Similarly, this year with Cordero back for year eight, uh, right? And yeah, but I personally am a little sketchy on the idea that Justin Lockhart just steps in and can be as dominant as Elijah Cooks. Like I liked him a lot when he was at uh, Nevada and lit money on fire on him on Lockhart last year as well. But I don't know. I've been hesitant to draft him just because I don't know if it's going to necessarily come together and the way of like a, an actual uh, number one receiver, but I don't know. How do you feel about him coming into your Chris or me? JD. No, no, okay. no, totally you, man. I'm here just for fun. You know, you're the, you're <laughs> the expert. So. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's similar. San Jose state. Like I, I kind of agree. Like they're fun. The offense, you can see you want to like the offense. They should be good. Like they still have returners. Um, but like picking out a fantasy asset, it's really hard. Like Lockhart is the number one guy for me, and I don't feel strongly like I don't think I've drafted him. Um, but you look through Brennan, right? His wide receiver one history is pretty lucrative. Um, but outside of that, it's like I mean they don't run the ball super well. It's probably going to be more of a committee. Robinson's back again. You know his eighth year. Him and Cordero. Uh, even Cordero. I mean Cordero's fine, but like 
a lot of his his production last year was on rushing touchdowns. Like his yardage was not as good as I expected it to be. He was pretty reliant on that. So um, there's just not a lot of like if Lockhart actually steps up and is that guy. Um, I think that's the guy I'd be willing to gamble on. But other than that, I mean, they're returners. Like, it's not like they get a big transfer in, right? They're, they're, the rest of the receivers there have kind of been there a while, like the Charles Ross, Makai Miller. Um, it's really hard for me to select a guy I'm high on. But, yeah, last year I was too low on Cooks because, like, Cooks and Lockhart, I, I was kind of, you know, skeptical as well and ended up being too low on Cooks. So now I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm being too low, artificially low on Lockhart as well. Thought for a second maybe it was you, Andrew, that got cut off, but I guess this time it's nice JD and the uh, Mountain West. He, are you back? Were you feeling good? You were just finishing up your comments on San Jose State. We yeah, cut out I, a little bit. I was getting nowhere fast, so I didn't miss much. <laughs> no, I, it is interesting because I, rem, I I'm a big DFS guy, and and these teams, especially Mountain West, you get the Friday night games, you get the random Thursday night game, or like just like more specifically like the ten thirty or 10 p.m. slate on Saturday. So, like, I'm very privy and, like, playing these teams. I don't have a gut feel either on any of this. I laugh because Kyrie Robinson is just here for 12 fantasy points every single week. You know, I don't know how he's going to get to 12, but he's going to get to 12. Um, to me, this feels more interesting for – I mean, obviously, if we can peg a receiver one, I mean, that's awesome. Like you said, J.D. and Andrew, like, these are these – are, that's a spot that fulfills, right? Like, that's a good fantasy spot. But it feels like tight end to me has been super lucrative too. It was uh, was it Sam Olson to begin the year and then Mazzotti to end it, and now Mazzotti's like number one. Like JD, do you have a, a pulse on the tight end here? Because to me, that is a good spot as well. It is. I think those are two good ones. Olson hasn't been healthy in like two years, right? He caught like that ADR touchdown in the opener, and I was like, "Who the hell's this guy?" And he's like super fast, like he's burning <laughs> yeah. DBs. What is going on here? And then he didn't play the rest of the year. Um, and then I remember last year, yeah, because it was one of those weird DFS slates when I went to watch the game, and I see Olsen on the sideline, like, not in pads, and I saw no updates. I, like, he's just not playing, and I don't think he played again the rest of the year, but he's supposed to be back this year. I think him and Mazzotti are going to be used pretty heavily because um, they have two good ones. Mazzotti just, you know, he, he was, like, very solid to end the year, but that was without Olsen, so now you're – but I think they realize they have two good ones. They have Olsen's probably more of the deep guy, and Mazzotti's just going to, you know, gobble up four or five catches a week, so – Andrew, do you have a pulse on tight end, or are you kind of in the same vein? We do tight end premium stuff all the time, so right. goes in one. Yeah, Mazzotti goes in a decent amount of our drafts, like at, in not not early, but he, like he's drafted in the range of tight ends where okay, it's you're not, it doesn't feel like it's a full on gamble, and I think with good reason, right? If we're kind of sketched out by the quality of receiver, maybe they lean more on tight end position for receiving production. Um, for good reason, it just feels like with this team we're chasing what what was it COVID year production with Bailey Gauthier and uh, who was the other dude uh, at receiver? Um, I forget his name. Trey Walker, right? It was those two. Um, we we want to get back to that kind of offense, um, and I don't know. I mean, it feels like we probably won't get there this year unless one of the tight ends or a combination of tight ends uh, goes nuclear and Blackheart is a bona fide uh, number one, but I don't know. I've, I always, like, I will always have a soft spot for Chevin Cordero going back to Hawaii days. Uh, and he, I mean, he was, he was good. He was fun last year. Um, so it definitely felt like you said, JD, that he was like super reliant kind of on, on touchdown volumes, definitely uh rushing touchdown uh, volume, but that, 
before you started recording, Chris, you, you, you kind of, I feel like it, it was you who just kind of sighed and was like, this conference kind of like it, like, I feel like it, something you said something online, it's like this conference sucks or whatever. And I don't know. I used to have such, su- such good and strong feelings about the mountain West. And it feels like a lot of the teams let leave us longing at this point for what was previously glory days um, as they, have either like had coaching staffs move on to greener pastures or just kind of uh, what's what has worked in the past isn't necessarily translating going into the year 2023. We'll cover the teams uh, obviously, but um, I don't know. Mountain West used to be one of my favorite conferences, but like half these teams, it's just like, damn like that. I'm probably not drafting too many guys from this team, from this conference, from this team. I think there's like four to five. And the reason why I said that comment pre-show is like, there's like four or five teams. I think we could like gloss over and not feel bad about it. But I will say the one, like those other teams, there's a lot of them that have something super interesting. And I think we've kind of alluded to it here with San Jose state is that like, we just don't know uh, like a solidified option or target for like the spots that we like, right? Like San Jose state receiver one's always cool. Fresno state, that offense is always fun, but like they don't have those prominent names. It's like they're re- like we got guys replacing, and we don't feel super comfortable with it. I will say to, to round out San Jose State, their quarterback room is super fun for me because Cordero is like a fan favorite for all of us. Uh, Jay Butterfield from Oregon is like a, just a fun like. Uh, wait, what a second, what? And then to me, my personal favorite is the fact that Nick Nash, their quarterback from years ago, is now like a backup receiver. And he does like quarterback <laughs> trick plays and stuff. So I think that it's just in general fun. I think Cordero's got a lot of value. I've kind of mentioned Fresno State as a team that has like, we have no idea what's going on, um, but that offense is almost always lucrative. Uh, or Andrew and I kind of like alone, JD, and like not knowing who to target or how valuable specific pieces are. Or do you have a, you have some insight into, you know, who the receiver one is, or if we feel really good about a specific running back in that room? I think the Fresno State offense, right? Like their OCs from Eastern Washington, it's going to be similar to last year where there's like, there's a lot of passing volume, right? And they throw the ball to running backs a lot. Um, Malik Sherrod, we'll start with him at running back. I, like earlier in the offseason, his, his price was really cheap. He, he Like he could pay off pretty well there. But um, the more I'm looking at it, he's like 170 pounds. Um, they're probably going to throw more than they rush the ball. Um, he is a good receiver, but I think for him to hit value, like he's going to need like 40 receptions. Um, you can blame me. I kept but, pushing him up in our draft rooms. And then I, I actually took the time to go to his page. And I was like 170 pounds. What am I doing here? Like, yeah, this is like probably not going to work if I like if I'm drafting this dude in like the 13th round or whatever. I think the thing though with Fresno, right? Like there's not a wide receiver one. I know there's Josiah Freeman people out there, but like there's like yeah. seven wide receivers in my opinion that have not separated themselves at all. Like Jalen Gill, Eric Brooks, Josiah Freeman. I even like Jalen Moss last year was a dynasty guy I tried to own. Um, there's a bunch of guys. There's I think five or six that are going to see the field. It's just whether they like stick with one and the rest rotate. I think they're going to rotate pretty heavily. Um, so anyway, I, I guess the, the case for Sherrod could still be there. If you're like, look, I don't know a wide receiver to target. The tight end's not really there, but they're going to throw the ball maybe 500 times. Who should I target? I could, I could still see that with Sherrod, but I'm not, I'm not like overvalue on any, any of these guys. I don't, I can see that, right? Like Sherrod's size and he has shown like the ability to catch the ball. I don't necessarily love knowing that he's 170. It's like, it feels like Fresno state running backs that have been successful, like they earn their weight in running the ball, right? Like they, they were successful rushing 
I would be very curious. It is a weird combination, right? Like Keen, we assume Keen is the quarterback. He's not like a great runner. He's not going to steal rushing touchdowns by any means. Like does Sherrod at 170 still like luck his way into some some rushing touchdowns and it makes it worth it with the catching or the receptions. Um, like Mikey Keene is replacing Jay Kaner. Jay Kaner was awesome for fantasy purposes, relatively speaking. Is Keene any good or is he just kind of like a guy that ended up at Fresno and we see what happens, Andrew? I think it's interesting to think about. So we have a really, I think when we look back on Jake Hayner's career, we look back on it really fondly and it's, but it's interesting to consider like he was an absolute zero running the ball. Right. Um, and he did it all with his arm in an offense that enabled him. Like th- that sounds like the same prescription for Keen, uh, who has never like, He's never looked inept. I think the knocks on him are like he's a smaller dude, probably nothing with his legs, uh, not great arm strength. But from day one, when he kind of got thrown into the fire as a true freshman at UCF, the the, the like his greatest asset, I think, has always been his comp- his composure um, and just his ability to kind of operate uh, in the pocket. Um, why can't that translate moving over to Fresno? Um in an offense, presumably that will be geared a little more to his strengths than a Gus Malzahn offense. Right. Uh, so, I mean, you could craft a case that how he could be successful, what that means, like for, for from a fancy perspective, like it, I don't know. It feels like in a lot of ways, if you're burning real draft capital on someone like that, the things that need to go right for him to be actually useful in fantasy is like, they need to throw for so many yards or so many touchdowns, right. Cause it's the only way that they're earning fancy points. But you can dream up a scenario that doesn't feel too far fetched given the offense that he's going into and the, the skill set that he has. I don't know. What do you think, JD? I thought you hit it perfectly. Like, I thought the same thing. Like, you match him up with Hayner, and he's like very similar. Like, you can see why they went after him. But, like, what, what are his odds for hitting good value? Like, again, he, he's undersized. He, he's going to probably throw it a lot, right? But he's not really going to give you rushing, probably not going to give you rushing touchdowns. Like, to me, he's he's a knockoff Hainer. And even if, like, this offense exceeds what we're thinking, right, and he has a big year, like, even Hainer was a way better real-life quarterback than fantasy. Yeah. Like, he was fine in fantasy. He was good. But he was, like, low 20 points per game. You know, he was very very steady. I'm not going to knock Jake Hainer. We all love Jake Hainer. But even he, like, was not quite a fantasy stud. He was a real-life stud, so... Keen, can he operate the offense effectively? I think so, but I don't see any reason to get overly excited. Yeah, the hard the hard part with these types of quarterbacks is like truly their their value is pretty limited in in fantasy because if they don't pres- uh, provide rushing upside, like what a, there's they'd have to just throw crazy amounts of touchdowns and yards, right? Like will like Will Rogers went from top ten quarterback to undrafted in all these different formats. Uh, with the new offense at Mississippi State. So, like, why would Mikey Keene be any different? Um, so, he's interesting to me. I don't I don't think the volume will be there, but I wonder if, like, at the back end, he's not a bad option. It's like a uh, – like, well, you, you draft a lot of riskier quarterbacks, high upside, high reward, or maybe, like, some guys that get hurt, like Plumlee and Finn, that you, Rourke, these types that, like, use like run the ball enough where maybe they get hurt. So you take a keen late just to provide like a, like a decent floor type guy, but it'll be interesting. Um, I'm sure about eight weeks into the season, San Jose state and Fresno state will have us both like, damn it. We should have been on so-and-so and, so, and <laughs> here we are. 
But uh, I don't know. I don't know where to go next with this. Um, I want to get Andrew jazzed up. Let's talk uh, Utah State. We got Cooper Lega. We've talked Levi Williams for years here on the podcast. Is it a quarterback battle or is Lega the Legai, Andrew? Ooh, I I think that the more I give consideration to it, there I think he I agree with the sentiment that like okay he's not going to lose the job coming out of camp, but who knows how long that leash is. Who, who I forget who we were podcasting with, uh, which preview we were doing where it, the, the idea came up of like, why does this coach keep running this quarterback so much as opposed to utilizing his arm talent a little more? And every time I watch Utah State, that's what I think. Seeing how they use Laga, like, may, okay, may, you could probably quibble with uh, his passing capabilities to some degree, but like, there's some quarterbacks when you watch them throw the ball, it's like, all right, that dude has no. Uh, business being in the F- FBS and that I don't get that sense at all with Laga, but they like, and then like Nate uh, CFF Nate tweeted out a while back about how Laga was like some five sports star in high school or whatever, like crazy yeah, track and field stuff. So maybe that is tempting to the coaching staff and that's why they run him so much, but we've already seen what that's like with him, not even just at a macro level with him specifically, we've seen how that's going to play out. Like, yeah, I think he missed time with a concussion last year. And then somehow he didn't rip his knee to shreds in the bowl game against Memphis. Like the idea that they're going to build an offense that is so heavily reliant around him running um, scares me. Uh, And that is one of the paths that he potentially loses uh, work intricacies into Levi, right? Another one being like they open against Iowa. Like, how do we really think that's going to go? Um, there's a bunch of good defenses also in the Mountain West. Like I, I like uh, Cooper Laga, um, right? But I don't know. I don't get the best vibes about Utah State uh, coming into this year. Um, I don't mind Laga later in drafts because I think that, like, okay, if they're gonna they're gonna run him, like, I feel I I, I don't have a great way of how to make money off it other than just generally speaking the idea that I feel strongly about. You want to get your running quarterbacks into your lineups earlier in the season while they're still healthy and try and take advantage of that um, because, like, these dudes always go down, it seems like, and wear down as the seasons go on. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, he's I don't think he's going to lose his job coming out of camp, but there's lots of ways I think that one way or another he just ends up – we end up seeing a decent amount of Levi's as the season progresses. JD, I, I think year in and year out, like Utah State receiver one is is like a pretty profitable position, kind of like Fresno State, San Jose, uh, San Jose State receiver ones. Are we like it feels like he's not valued as high as maybe he should be? Terrell Vaughn. Is it because of Lagai and like maybe that misconception that maybe he's just like the absolute worst thrower? Or are we just all sleeping on him? Like, what's your take on Vaughn and where he's being picked these days? I'm split on him. I, I think I still like him at price because it's it's not great. And I, like the scheme, I mean, yeah, they had a thousand yards four straight years, double digit touchdowns on all those. Um, the thing for me, I think those were all outside wide receivers. Vaughn is as small as they get. Um, he wasn't starting last year. Kyle Van Leeuwen was, and he was out for the year after game one. I think um, yeah. he caught a couple passes. Was like a dirt cheap DFS player. Remember that? And everyone's starting Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't think he's starting. Um, that being said, he, he kind of busted, busted out, and they don't really have 
like there's nobody on the outside. Like they have the auto Tia guy who's been there for a while. Um, Micah Davis is actually interesting on air force. Cause he's really talented. Like that air force passing yeah. attack was really fun when he was there. Like they were first in the country and passing explosiveness and they don't even know how to pass. It's just Micah Davis is pretty good, but like, you can't feel confident about either of those guys. I think Vaughn's like the safest bet because even if he, he does, he isn't that alpha that doesn't get the thousand yards. I still think like he's probably a safe bet for what, like 65 catches, a decent yardage output. So I like Vaughn. I just feel like the floor is pretty safe with PPR if you're in a, a full point PPR. And then if he does become that wide receiver one, there's a thousand yards on the table. So I think Vaughn is pretty cheap. Yeah. It is. It's interesting because you make a good point about the slot receiver versus outside receiver. Uh, it was interesting. I read about Otto Tia in like the spring. He blew it up or at least had enough of a blow up for somebody to be talking about it. He's like 6'4", 220. It's always interesting when you see these like giant men. You wonder like, is he just outperforming guys because maybe he's just paired up like against a second team defense and he's so big and fast enough that he just takes advantage? Or is someone like him pretty legitimate? Micah Davis was a great, is a great call out there. He uh, like went in the portal, disappeared, and then all of a sudden, like eight months later, pops back up in in uh, Utah State. Uh, so that is an interesting call. I'm curious. It's there's just so many guys out there with COVID years and extra years of depth and stuff like that that you. I feel like maybe five years ago, a guy like Micah Davis would be picked, but I feel like he's just never going to be picked with the amount of receivers out there that are you know at the end or not being picked. I'm but, waiting for Jared's Mountain West draft to. Hopefully, hopefully get that one will be super degenerate. I feel like because there are so many unproven options. Have you done that one, JD? Yeah, so I've been in that one because I was actually thinking when you mentioned Auto Tia, like that's a guy I saw six four outside receiver. I drafted him last year in like one of the last rounds. I'm like, you could totally see a a path where he just blows up out of nowhere. And I think last year their outside wide receivers were good. The team sucks, right? Uh, Brian Cobbs and McGriff, like those were two established outside guys. Tia is not going to start over them, but this year could all be him. So. Yeah, and he's fairly young. Otto uh, Tia, I was saying Via. I don't know why. I was thinking maybe that big defensive tackle for the Bucks, maybe. Um, <laughs> but he's big. He's only like a redshirt sophomore, so it's. I think he's a redshirt sophomore. So it's not like he's been, you know, co- uncovered forever. There's one guy. So I was going to sw- transition to Air Force, but this feels like a good transition. Hawaii. So everybody loves Hawaii. Uh, the old days has been amazing. It were amazing years. I feel like we're still trying to get to those years again. Even like 80% would just be fun. Um, and somebody, I think it was Bainbridge, asked a Hawaii beat writer, hey, who would be like the inside receivers? And it was like a guy named like Nishigawa in a, in a tight end. He was like, yeah, in the, uh, the tight end, you know, so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, my God, like what? Uh, for some reason, it makes me feel like that correlation between Utah State of like a random guy out of nowhere. But. Hawaii, we all like inside receivers for them. JD, do you have like a, a vibe there? You know, Bainbridge loves Chucky or Chucky Hines, but this random beat reporter mentions a guy that you've never heard of that's like five foot six. So like where do we where do we stand there? I don't have a strong read at all. Hawaii is so difficult to get a read on. Even the the whole thing for me with uh Chang, like why didn't they go run and shoot last year? Like they hired Chang, <laughs> everyone expects the offense. And instead they run like no one even knows what they were running last year. Like what offense was that? And they have the same guy back as co-OC Chang's still there. 
They hired another co-OC, but he's like a running game coordinator. He's not a run-and-shoot guy. So I just can't understand what's going on. I don't trust whatever I'm hearing. I think that guy has running back eligibility, Nagishi Hawa, whatever. Um, There's not. I I tried to do a deep dive into uh, Walt Hall. He played as a freshman. Uh, Panok played a lot and was hurt uh, at the end of the year. So there was like four or five guys, people like Hines. Uh, they got this New Zealand track star. You heard of this guy? He, he's like uh-huh. a record-breaking. He's never played football before. He's like 24 years old. Um, he, but then he's not even on the roster. So I was trying to I, – I tried to dive into everyone on the roster, and I, I couldn't come away confident on, on any of these guys. But you're right. If you hit on the right one, you'll, you'll hit. If they're going to be the run and shoot, someone's, someone's going to be profitable. But in my opinion, it's like I'm taking a, what, one in six chance because I have absolutely – after doing a deep dive, I still have absolutely no idea. Mike had to inform me that uh... – Pinocchio apparently is it plays exclusively outside, which I, I had no fucking idea. So that was, I guess he's probably not going to be a, a slot back in, in that system. But um, I, I've been trying to get up in the DMs of like some U, some Hawaii recruiting people, but so far no success uh, with them getting back to get back to me. Um, we've all got our tactics, but that that program seems like they're uh, keeping things pretty close to close to the chest. You're, dude, you are like the OG. Uh, you're the originator of Tylen Hines, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you're, is the price too high at this point with all of us just trying to get him? Because like, I feel like we heard about him like kind of splitting time at slot back earlier in the offseason. He was so efficient uh, last year and did so many cool things when he spelled, um, was it Parson, uh, there uh, last year. Is the price too high at this point? It's too high for me, and it sucks because, like, I love him. I love him. <laughs> yeah. But, like, run and shoot offense. Their O-line was, like, strangely the best in the conference last year, which no one would expect for a complete rebuild. Uh, the running game was really good. So some of Hines' numbers, like, I think they lose two starters. It's like, I don't know if they're going to be elite up there. They're probably going to run less, run and shoot. The guy is tiny. He might go and slot back. Like, he's the best weapon on the offense, so that right away for an offense that could score a lot more points this year. And last year, hopefully they score more points because Bruce was pretty bad. Um, I want to like him, but the price, like you're just kind of drafting it. He's now at the range. Like I don't hate him at price. Obviously I love the kid. Like I'm you know, spewing his propaganda, but um, it's all about price and draft. So yeah, to me, it's gotten to that point where it's, you know, I, I, I consider it accurate. Totally. If, I um, I was hoping Joey Yellen would be a thing last year, but after seeing him play football, I can't be buying back in this year. The, the idea with the run and shoot offense at, from the quarterback, I, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, like QB running isn't really a thing unless you're Cole McDonald. Like, or more or less, the value comes really from a quarterbacking perspective, just relative to slinging it, slinging it all over the place, uh, right? Yeah. Or what do you do? You do you think we can see Shager have real value this year, um, or is it just get like are we just gonna see incremental gains for the offense and it's just not gonna probably like. We're not going to see him put up enough stats to to get us there from a season long perspective. I'm viewing it as like incremental gains because last yeah. year was like total total rebuild and like Chase yeah. getting props for them being better than expected and they won three games. <laughs> so in my opinion, like Shager, like it, it was so bad last year. You can't even put it on him, right? Like there, there's so much more going on. The the coordinator didn't know what offense he's running. I don't want to hate on Shager at all, but like I don't think he's an overwhelming talent. I still have questions. We don't know who the wire like there's still enough questions to me that like who knows what the ceiling and the ceiling and run and shoot could be massive. But in my opinion, if he's not gonna run, like what is he gonna throw for Mikey Keen numbers? That sounds about right to me, you know. Yeah, I the the hard part here is like truly what you kind of started with, JD. Like, what offense are they actually gonna run? 
you know, like it, I think it came off as like, well, he didn't have the personnel for run and shoot. And so that's why he didn't do it. But then they were talking about like, well, you know, we're, we're implementing the shovel pass this year. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry. What do you actually need to implement a shovel pass? Like Andrew and I can do the shovel pass, you know, like that's a, that's a typical play call. And if we're not going to, if we're not going to implement it until year two, then I'm really concerned about the state of this offense. Um, it'd be nice to see some solidified players and like, it'd be somewhat successful. The conference is definitely good or like average enough where a successful offense at Hawaii would be awesome for fantasy. But I think we'll end up seeing air force. We've kind of mentioned them a little bit here. Uh, this one feels pretty easy. We can just talk running backs, but that's about the only easy part. Cause I think there's like one name that sounds cool. And then the rest of them, there's going to be like eight random names that are going to pop up in the next uh, six, I- eight months. I was going to say it's easy in that it they're like Troy Calhoun lets us, he doesn't just not let us not know things. He actively puts out disinformation there. So the idea that we are going to come on here and say anything like definitively other than we know that we're being lied to in all likelihood by this dude is like, I think that foolish on our behalf. Um, but yet you were going to take it in the direction of Eldridge presumably. Right. I don't know how I feel about him. Like, he's not the biggest dude, right? Uh, like, thinking back to, kind of, like, the idea ultimately with Air Forces and the way that they run the option is, okay, get the fullback, hope that they actually, like, they like him enough that he's getting touches around the goal line regularly in conjunction to, with, like, seeing actually close to 20 carries a game so he can crest 100 yards. You know, you are literally getting zero catches from, that dude in the traditional role does Eldridge meet those criteria? Who, who knows it? I feel like I've read that they're potentially like, he's not locked into that fullback job, right? They might kind of use him in different ways, which I mean, just would potentially make sense just based on um, his kind of, he feels like more of a kind of an offensive weapon than anything else. I don't know. JD, where, where are you at? Um, do you feel confident enough to say anything about uh, this team or don't want to go on record? No, not really. I, uh, I had the same read. Um, like he was being drafted way higher than I expected. And like, I liked Eldridge. I was like, the yeah. guy's pretty, I'm, I'm a believer in his talent. I think he's going to be the best player on the offense, but like he was, he was drafted really high and it's like, they talked. And I think why it is, is because they talked about moving him to fullback, but like mm-hmm. everything I saw, he was practicing there. It's like what you said about Heinz, like all the running backs practice at slot receiver. Like they cross train. That's what staffs do. And in my opinion, it was not a clear, he is moving to fullback. It's like, we're going to move him around. We're going to find him touches, which is encouraging. But like you said, the window for an air force back is they are a workhorse who gets that. They're not going to get receiving work, right? They're going to get zero PPR points. So it's to me, like the window's pretty narrow. I could see him get a thousand yards, right? Of course. But um, even then, like, I don't see, I think the offense as a whole is going to take a step back. Like they've been really good. They lose what, like a four-year starter at a uh, at quarterback. They lose, you know, I think Roberts probably led the country in carries or was close to it. And Chase Brown and Mo, he, he was up there, right? Top three. So for me, I'm not, uh, I do want to mention a name though. So I'm not going to go on record. Um, for for Eldridge, but I want to go on record there. Don't um, worry, nobody listens to this. So don't worry about it. <laughs> well, if they do, uh, there's a three way quarterback competition, and one of the guys has running back eligibility, and he's a um, high school state 100 meter champion. Well, I know he's a 200 meter champion, but he ran a 10.68 in the 100 meter. Zach Larrier, and he has running back eligibility. Um, it kind of, from reading the tea leaves, sounds like he might be third in the quarterback race. So this might amount to nothing. 
But uh, but yeah, if you want to uh, add him, I think I've tried to snap him up on. Yeah, I was going to ask the officers, Marin. Am but, I do? Am I wasting my time looking through all my teams right now? Um, I have him on a few, but I'm yeah probably gonna have to cut him eventually anyway. So Nick, uh, Nick loves him too. I feel like uh, Nicky and Allen. I feel like whenever he um talks Air Force, that he always brings him up. It's like, oh man, it'd be awesome if that dude could uh could find his way to playing quarterback in full time. Uh, but yeah, the thing like he's he he's been injured a bunch too, right? It feels like he hasn't even been uh, like backup in, when Daniels has gone out in recent years. Um, but yeah, I I didn't know about the running back eligibility. That that it, I mean that's that's the dream, right? Uh, finding a quarterback uh, with with eligibility at other positions. Um, if you didn't bring it up, I was just, I, I was going to bring up the quarterback battle just because. It seems like we no one has no idea what's gonna what's gonna happen there um, with all those different uh, guys competing for it. But yeah, I mean, there's not 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 a lot to say definitively about Air Force other than they'll probably find ways to be productive in totality and trying to get there from a fancy perspective preseason in terms of feeling good about who's going to produce. Is you're throwing darts. I mean. I'll, I'll probably take some shots in Mountain West basketball, um, a very common league format that many people play. Um, but outside outside of that, I don't know. It's tough to really uh, waste real draft, potentially waste real draft capital on them. The, the problem with Eldridge, just to circle back real quick, is that he's not big enough necessarily to be fullback. So then you're relying on him to make big plays out of these like outside back positions or – they're going to change their offense and pass it up to these types of backs, which is just not going to happen. And then, you know, the problem too is that you get these random fullbacks that will steal all the touchdowns. Like if you look at Eldridge's uh, last year, he was awesome. He had like eight yards of carry almost a hundred carries four touchdowns. Like that's just not sustainable for like a, a system or like an, a fancy team that you want to roster best ball makes sense but he's being drafted so high now that it's like, okay, well, I, I'm not drafting a guy anymore for four to five awesome weeks. Now he has to have like eight weeks that are awesome. And that's just not conceivable. I feel like we've been a little bit down on these teams. Let's spice it up. Let's get a little bit with maybe one of the two or three teams that are super sexy in terms of fancy. I, I think we talk Colorado state. That feels like the cool off season mountain West team. Um, to me, it feels like the hype has gotten really, really high. It feels like Colorado State is going to be like awesome offensively, and I just don't know if I believe it. JD, where do you stand on their offense? Were you in on them last year, or are you in on them now? Like, what what are your what are your takes there for Colorado State? I think, um, yeah, because I agree. I guess we're being positive, so I'm trying to be too negative. But um, like, they weren't supposed to suck last year, right? Like, am I remembering this wrong? They were not supposed to be bad. They had a lot of transfers, but that's like what every team does now. And like half of their transfers were Norvell kids, like that he handpicked from his last job, right? He had a bunch of Nevada kids. So mm -hmm. every time I hear everyone being high on Colorado State, and there are two options I like on Colorado State, we'll talk about, of course. But um, every time I hear that, I think like, dude, they weren't supposed to suck last year, and they were third to last in success rate. They're supposed to pass the ball in the offense. They gave up passing, um, right? They just like 
I mean, Millen only had what, like 245 attempts all year. So they totally changed the offense because it wasn't working. And even when they threw it, they were like 126 in passing success rate. Like it was bad. So overall I have that. There's no way they don't improve um, is what I'll say. There's no way they don't improve. They have Millen back. They have their top two receivers back. Um, the O-line was the worst in the country. They got like eight transfers. All the transfers are like D2 or FCS. I think only one of them was an FBS transfer, which I thought was weird. So On the O-line specifically? On the O-line specifically, yeah. They got like yeah, seven yeah. transfers, only one's FBS. I think they might start five transfers on the O-line because they were terrible. Like they, they literally yeah. couldn't block. Yeah, everything that you brought up, success rate, abandoned throwing, like it all is a, a byproduct of – like that O-line was historically bad. Like there's a difference between having an O-line and it's like, where it's like, oh, okay, I guess we can't run the ball. We have to get the ball out quick. Like they could not – they could barely play football because mm-hmm. their O-line was, was so horrific, um, which I – I think that you can point like and you, oh I was I was super optimistic on, on them last year. Um, I had um, I had lots of Tory Horton really really good, lots of Clay Millen really bad. Um, so kind of split the difference in that regard. But I I think this year they could score twenty points in a game, something they failed to do last year in any any one game. But so I think I think we'll see some some gains. It is funny. It's it's a good point, JD. Like. I, you know, I've been on Chasing the Natty. I've heard other podcasts. It's like, well, Colorado State, it's the first year of a new system. Like, of course, it's going to be bad. We should have realized that. You know, everybody was in on it last year. Um, and now it's like, well, we're like, oh, well, it should have never, you know, oh, well, like we should have known better. Right. But like, you make a great point. A lot of those guys came from that system. So, like, why did it yeah. not make sense? Well, I guess. I think the people that are very pro are going to say, Hey, it was the offensive line. Like you can't do anything when the offensive line is that bad. (laughs) You know, I don't know how many people were transfers. I don't know if that even matters. Right. In terms of system transfers, if you're a bad offensive lineman, it doesn't matter what system you're in. You're just bad. Um, You said JD, you had two guys that you liked. Who were the, I mean, Torrey Horton's gotta be one, right? Who's the other. So I think I've seen cats drafting them too, because he's taking them when I want to, but um, justice (laughs) Ross Simmons, the other wide receiver. Like he kind of came out of nowhere. He's a big body, former basketball players. Dude's making one hand catches. Uh, he was only a true freshman. Um, just came out of nowhere. He posted really great numbers. Uh, and that's again, with the team not functioning, the team not being able to block the team, giving up on the system. And he still produced as a true freshman. Um, so to me that like solidifies he's wide receiver too this year. And I think in dynasty, like he's an underrated asset. Like right now he's the clear heir apparent to Norvell wide receiver one. And he could be there for two years if he stays on campus, which he probably will. He's a pretty raw prospect, right? So um, I really like Justice Ross Simmons. If, if we're expecting the offense to take a step forward, um, you know, you're looking around the assets. Like Horton's, you know, correctly viewed as as the top asset. And Millen, like, again, he's not going to run a lot. Is the offense going to improve that much where he throws for 4,500 yards? Maybe, but I don't think we're expecting it, right? And then it's like, well, who could possibly take a step up if the team improves? And, and to me, it's Ross Simmons, like, I think if the O-line blocks better, they actually take some shots downfield. Like he proved as a true freshman, he's lethal and can beat Mountain West backs consistently. So I like Ross Simmons. Yeah, I think one of the cool things about Clay Mellon is that his bye week is week two. I I do this like weird bye week thing when I'm drafting. It's like, who are guys that have these weird bye weeks that nobody else has? And I like to target them in a sense because it creates like a gap filler. Um, I mean, Andrew's like the biggest Clay Millen fan there is, but another pass heavy zero rushing type guy. But to be fair, his system is, 
if if it's good, if it's working, he could produce enough passing to make it make sense. But Andrew, aren't you on um, Holker, the tight end, Dallin Horkel, Hol- Holker? Holker? Yeah, I got I got I forgot I got burned by Tanner Arkin a, a bit last year as well. Um, and Holker's price has gone up. It, he was pretty free earlier on in the offseason, but um, I think kind of just similar to the offense as a whole, like optim- optimism has sprung eternal, uh, right? The idea that, um, hey, why can't there be another Cole Turner and a Jay Norvell offense? Um, is there's optimism surrounding that Holker? I don't I don't know how much we actually saw him at BYU, um, but like I I I feel like I didn't I can't remember too much uh, uh, from an, an actual highlight perspective. But the idea is there, right? Like pass catching uh, tight end um, coming over in a system that has featured that kind of dude uh, before. There's, I'm, he's not, I would say he's not free enough now where I, um, like I can feel really good drafting him at the cost, but I still find myself taking him sometimes just because I don't necessarily love a lot of the other tight end options that are still out there. I, I'm trying to figure out like how this team is likely to line up from a receivers and tight ends perspective because you've got, all right, Holker as your tight end, and then you've got Ross Simmons and, Horton on the outside. Goffney is like, I think he's like a bigger dude too. So like, he's not exactly a slot receiver. I guess probably the most likely outcome is Goffney kind of just mixes in there from a snack perspective and they play some, some other uh, dude um, at slot. Like it would be so cool just from a video game perspective to get all four of those guys on the field at one time. Cause that sounds really difficult to guard. Um, especially if Mellon gets more than one and a half seconds uh, to kind of look around and see what's good. Um, but uh I think that the the way that I am just concluding right now how things are likely to shake out, like, okay, you can check the boxes for Horton and Ross Simmons uh, being featured, but then I don't really, like, how can how confident can I really be um, with Holker? Um, and, it, like, I want to be in on Goffney because I loved him at SMU, um, and it's exciting to see him actually make what on the surface feels like a really smart transfer decision. Maybe not in the immediate, but for the remainder of his career. Um, but I don't know how those things kind of play out in 2023. Those are those are four good pieces, man. Like I yeah. think we're all we're all high. Like those are four players that should be featured. And Millen, I mean, say what you will about Millen, he he broke records last year, right? He broke like a freshman FBS passing record or whatever. Um, yeah. Like, we like Millen. Millen can clearly throw the ball. Norvell clearly likes him. The system's good. So they have the pieces. I, I see the optimism. Yeah. Staying, staying positive here, Boise State. I think the only thing negative, actually, you could say is there's almost, like, too much talent in the backfield. You know, it's like it'd be nice for them to just separate in some m- manner or fashion. Taylor Green is awesome. Halani's awesome. GNT is awesome. Um, what's really the question is, like, who do you draft first? in terms of running backs and like what the difference is and gaps of rounds there. Uh, and then apparently he might have the might have two years of eligibility. Guys, hear this conversation real quick. So yes, go ahead. Zach, Zach tried to tell Zach being a big Boise fan, right. Tried to tell us something about their offensive coordinator and like a new OC coming in. And I, I just didn't read it. Um, what do you know who their OC is JD? And like, what, what kind of, is it is it someone who's going to try and like square peg round hole this thing, or is he just going to 
kind of play to the strengths of those awesome uh, players that, that Chris just mentioned. I, I totally forget who it is in um, our chat. I believe. I think it's Bush Hamden. He was uh, at Washington with Chris Peterson when they had uh, the two running backs. Uh, what was it? Ahmed and Gaskin. They both ended up going to the same NFL team, right? Miami. Okay. But, but yeah, it's Bush. I, I don't know enough about him to feel confident. Um, I remember for some reason I like saw the hire and was really negative. And then the more I looked into it, it was like those Washington teams were really innovative, really fun. He's under Chris Peterson and a coach I respect, you know, offensively. Well, basically respect for everything really highly. But no, I, I didn't have a strong read diving into Hamden, how the offense would play out with all the talent. That's good to know, though, the, the idea that, okay, his system could support support two, uh, two guys that maybe they don't cannibalize each other, but they both kind of eat. Um, Tenth round rolls around. GNT and Holani are both there in a best ball draft. Who are you taking? Uh, I think Holani. Yeah. Same. I mean, he's old. He's been there forever. <laughs> They're not going to, like, just push him to the side, right? Like, I know that GNT is, like, the – the newer guy, they want to keep him happy, but like to me, Halani doesn't come back if he doesn't think he's. What do you think? What do you think happened? Year. So, going into the bowl game last year, like we, I, I didn't even think Halani was going to play. I played Genty in DFS. Halani like played two series and then was like, "Peace, I'm out of here." Like, and then all of a sudden he's coming back and running it back for 2023. You think the NIL just came through, or he looked around, transfer options weren't there didn't want to be one of those the zillion undrafted free agents uh waiting into NFL training camps all three could be I yeah. I guess I tried to if we're trying to stay positive I viewed it as like Boise should run through the Mountain West this year and he wants a piece of that he's been there a while yeah that was my positive look on it <laughs> you don't have to be positive you know uh because there's plenty of negativity to come uh, when we talk Wyoming and Nevada and stuff um <laughs> It is interesting. Andrew, I think it's probably a little bit of NIL. I think it's a little bit of like he kind of wanted to maybe test the waters and saw like these are all the guys that are available. Like, is it especially if like if he was told, hey, by the way, you have two years on, you know, the next two years are college eligible. Like he probably saw it as like, well, I play another year. I make a little bit of cash and I still then have another like a decision to make. You know, it's not like he had to go after next year if this whole rumor is true. So like he might have a little bit of leverage there that makes sense. Uh, but it is always weird coming back when you have like a stud young guy that's like kind of waiting in the wind, but Taylor green feels like a really interesting. If you're doing like a dynasty startup, it feels like a really interesting prospect because he is pretty run focused. He was very effective on the ground. He looks pretty decent passing the ball and the offense is going to be good. The conference is good. JD, like if you were doing a dynasty startup or maybe thinking like in that realm, like is he one of your higher options because he's on automatic two years or where do you stand there? Yeah, I like green. I just think there's so many boxes. Like the floor is pretty safe, right? Like uh, another thing I like about him. So guys who have fantasy zero showing up in their fantasy points per game, right? Um, that, that dropped down. So I think his average was like 20 fantasy points per game last year, but there's two zeros on there when he didn't play awesome. so it was actually like 24 fancy points and when he did that like that young and I, I know there's backfield mates to contend with but him being like just such an electric rusher should only get better um the wide receiving room wasn't good but they return everybody from a year ago so in my opinion it's like i don't really see how he falls down from 24 fantasy points per game and if he does it's not going to be much like i think the rushing's so safe so i actually like him as like a third option especially if you're swinging 
you know, for the fences early on with like a Tyler Shuck or someone else who either has high variance or injury prone. Mm-hmm. I do like, I do like him probably starting multiple years in dynasty. I do like the rushing should only improve. Um, so yeah, I, I actually, I'm, I'm pretty high on green. He's so big. He's six six two twenty per ESPN. So I'm sure it's a little bit off, but like that's huge. And he looks huge. He runs well. I, I think he had a long, let's see. He had a long yards. touchdown. Yeah. He had a 91 touchdown. It was 91 against Utah state. Um, and as a true freshman, like you said, JD, he also had games where like the Oregon state game, didn't he come in at half? Cause that was the whole Hank Bachmeyer, yeah. like looked awful type situation. So his averages could have been much better. Um, Andrew, I'll let you maybe steer it here. Is there a team you want to talk next? You want to get Nevada out of the way? Let's get Nevada out of the way. All right, sweet. Nevada. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, Nevada, Nevada, Nevada. I, I've, I've been placing some small bets on Sean Dollars emerging from the running back uh, room. They like you read articles and they, um, about what's going on right uh, with him and running backs there. It's like, all right, there's like nine guys, but like at the same time, like, are any of these actually good enough to play? These guys good enough to play FBS football? They lost all their production last year. Um, who the, the, I guess the primary question is just after missing like three years with injuries, is this dude's body at all representative of whatever netted him, uh, like a top 60 recruit, uh, recruit coming out of whatever class like four years ago was, um, still, uh, it feels like their offense will be, if, if they can run it effectively, it'll be pretty ground heavy. And if like there's no way he's not the most talented guy in the room. So I don't know. I like to make uh, lots of late round running back bets and kind of hope they, they play off, they pay off. And he's one that I've been kind of enjoying throwing some chips down on lately. Dollars feels interesting because he feels like the type of guy that would be successful in the G5, you know, like a, like he drops down from P5 to G5. He's shown to be able to catch the ball. He had 16 catches last year. Big recruit. He's 5'8", 199, so good size for G5. You know, good enough size for G5. Everybody else is awful in that offense. Like if Brandon <laughs> Lewis is your quarterback, like you're winning like three games, right, JD? Yeah, the rest of the offense stinks. Um, I like your guys' read on dollars, actually. I, I think it is a total swing or miss because uh, like the way Oregon was talking about him, it, it's like – you know, if he ever gets back on the field, that'd be cool. But he did get back on the field, right? And like, it was never a talent thing. Like, he was always supposed to be very talented. It's just, a, it's a totally a health thing. So, if we assume full health, there's nothing else on the offense to go to. There's nothing else. And they're talking about wanting to use the running back. We've seen them use the running back. Dollars, right, has familiarity with Wilson, uh, the head coach from Oregon. Like, it seems pretty clear he targeted Dollars to come be the next guy right. if he's healthy. So, I think, I think you're correct. That's the only asset on this team. There's some crazy stat where like they haven't had a thousand yard back. Well, I guess it's not that crazy because I forgot that um, Jay Norderbell was there Norbell. before. But yeah, yeah, they haven't had a thousand yard back in a bunch of years, which is it just weird because you like remove the Norvell gap and like you just think about them churning out backs with the, the pistol and stuff like that. But anyway, I di- I, di- I digress. Um, where to now, Chris? I the reason why I think this conference is like awesome but awful at the same time is that like San Diego State used to be like this team where you just you you figure out who the RB one is you just love having that guy and 
for like the last two, three years, it's been, here's four different guys and we're going to run them 12 times each. And we don't know who's going to be the one that runs it 18 times. You know, it's just like a grab bag of guys and nobody ever has any idea about what's going on. You know, like we had the USC transfer, we've had different like bigger name freshmen come in and nothing has changed. So like, that's, what's annoying to me with this conference. Um, JD, this run, the running back situation is typically awesome. Do you have a pulse on this at all? Please tell me. I think I'm coming up on being on the clock here, which would be good if you got something good for me. Um, my, my whole thing on San Diego State is just to like try to be totally off the running game until they've shown signs of improvement because it's been like massive steps downward every year. Like it's getting worse, like from elite record setting rushing attacks to terrible. So I don't. The thing with Kristen, like I'm definitely out on Kristen. I've been really disappointed. The spring reports um, are like he's still the RB1. Um, he, he is what he is. He's a track star. It, his profile was hilarious. So he was first in the entire country and breakaway percentage, right? Like basically he breaks long runs and he was like, la- I think he was second to last or third to last in like yards after contact for 10 broken tackles. He just doesn't break a tackle. So to me, that's not going to be a guy who goes for a thousand yards. I don't know how you can do that in this offensive. If you're not going to break a single tackle ever. Um, I like Jalen Armstead. I really like that kid. I was really hoping he'd be RB one. Cause he had similar, like super high breakaway percentage, but he like, he can't break tackles. Right. And he's bigger. Um, and like Lucky Sutton people like, so I think it's a good room behind him. Like if, if Christian goes down or they just forget he exists, maybe just use them ex- exclusively on screens like they probably should. Um, I would be interested. But for me, I'm, I'm, I'm totally out on the running room and, until they show signs of improvement. Like it's been bad. They've forgotten how to block and they've forgotten how to run the ball. And that's, that's all they did for like 10 years. So, so yeah, it's been bad. I thought Jalen Maiden was like pretty interesting. Like towards the end of the year, I was like, man, like San Diego State's like actually actively trying to throw the football instead of throwing it like 18 times. Um, and he was a younger guy. He seemed very, you know, fairly successful. He had like some nice receiver transfers or just older guys, but now they're all gone. Like, does, is there any chance Andrew, like, do you like Maiden at all? Have you picked him at all? Like, is there any, I mean, like, I know that like San Diego state quarterback is not all that juicy, but he's a bigger guy and he can run the football. So like the volume is a little bit higher than your typical, like, average offense not the greatest offensive style i feel like he's another jd crush um i i don't i don't know what i've do you think in idp leagues he retains like safety eligibility and can get like the 300 yards passing or when or whatever um maybe maybe we flood that question in justice or one of the other uh people that that plays uh, cff idp at some point because that's I'm curious of that, but um, it was interesting. Just to, like it felt like he was one of those guys who would put up decent passing yardage without necessarily throwing it a ton. And like, uh, yeah, of course the dude's athletic. Like he used to play on the defensive in a defensive backfield field, right? Um, I have I have no idea what they're going to do uh, this year from like a, a schematic perspective. Like, Ryan Lindley is the OC um, right at this point, who knows what that means. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's just the best way to put it. I've, I've, I have no idea what to, to expect from, from him. Like um, do you have, do you have any sort of read JD? Yeah. So I find it interesting. So he's been saying, um, cause he coached under a number. He's not that old, right? I feel like he was just yeah. playing. 
But um, he coached under Andy Ludwig for a few years. So basically he like went on record saying he wants to style the offense like Utah. So I view them as being a poor man's Utah this year, um, which Maiden kind of fits that mold as like a youth, like a cam rising. Right. Um, it's just, it's hard to be like Utah's formula works because they just, they kind of bully the PAC 12 teams in the trenches. Like San Diego state sucked in the trenches and they haven't been able to run the ball. So I could see in like two, three years that they, they could be Utah right now. It's like the formula, it, it can't work. Right. It, it should work in the mountain West. They sh- they've been able to do that before. Maybe they turn the tables. All it took is a coaching change. Um, but anyway, so for me, when I heard the Andy Ludwig and I heard him, uh, you know, say how, how much he loves tight ends, that's why I've been drafting Mark Redman in a few, uh, you know, we do this crazy, right, nice. stu- the stupid yeah. deep tight end premiums. It's like he's going to be out there. He's not like a he, he's pretty slow and clunky, but like if he's going to be on the field and they lose their top two wide receivers and maidens decently interesting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing like a Walmart Utah this year. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the receiver group, it's like Mecky Shaw, Brian Penny, yeah. Raphael Williams. Like these are guys that have not shown to do really anything not that they won't but like if you're looking at an offense that's trying to compare to like be compared to utah a later tight end uh, premium league why not right with a guy like redmond um speaking of bullying though they tried to bully their way out of the mountain west I, i like i was super busy while it was going on um what was the deal they like didn't they couldn't pay the they they wrote like a letter and it said like, this is our formal notice that we're, you know, leaving. And then like when they were called their bluff on it, they were like, <laughs> Oh no, we didn't really mean that. We, that was just like a weird, like taken the wrong way. Right. <laughs> That's how yeah. I took it. There's like, I forget the penalty, but it's like, I don't know. I'll say $10 million. It's like a million, however many, many million dollar penalty. If they leave at the end of, june so they were trying to avoid that penalty so they said like hey we want to leave but we're not leaving but please don't penalize us incorrectly <laughs> yeah mountain west was like why would we do that yeah <laughs> and so they're back now yeah because they don't they don't have a bid so they're trying to leave when they don't have a bid so unless they were going to go independent i'm not sure what the plan was seeing that state as an independent could be fun because it could feel like they would just play a bunch of east coast teams I like enjoy that type of stuff where it's like this random west coast team plays a random east coast team for the first time like those newer, like that's why bowl season for me is a little bit interesting because you get like these cool random matchups. But anyway, speaking of bowls, um, New Mexico. Do we think they? No, I'm not going to say that. Uh, this is another team, right? Where there's like maybe one fancy asset, the running back, uh, Washington, right? Like maybe. They um, that I feel like there's some some little sprinkle of optimism just from the fact that they're porting over who is it the uab quarterback and oc so the idea is like okay maybe the offense won't be so anemic and it can be like kind of successful in the way that uab was uab's was um but i don't know they're still new mexico um Yeah, I, I don't have much more to say. <laughs> JD, you're closer to it than us, literally and figuratively. What do you think? Uh, yeah, they're not interesting. I, I could see like they might be more like it's hard to be worse than they were. So you get the UAB quarterback and OC together. Hopkins is the best quarterback they've seen in however many years, whatever that means, right? So you could see him being like slightly more functional. Um, the running back was interesting. His PFF metrics were actually like okay. So if you try to take like a Sean Dollars approach where like, you're right, UAB's had some good backs, like 
it's hard to compare him to McBride or whatever, but um, I could see them being on the radar, but no, I'm, I'm totally out. If I had to, and like the Mountain West best ball, I, I might target. Is the running back a transfer or is it just a, a holdover? I think he was there last year. I think he yeah. was there last year. Yeah. I think um, actually volume pigs has written about him too. Um, Christian Washington is his name. Word. What it, it's, it's just such a bad offense. It's like, they want to run it so much. Like last year, I think they ran it looking at the numbers probably like 60% of the time. Um, and I think in previous years, they were a little bit even like heavier focused on one specific guy. So like I can see the appeal of like a running back one there, but you actually have to be like somewhat decent at running the football, which is what is concerning, I think, for the three of us. The the vibes are bad for New Mexico, right? Because they had the um, – I'm going to blank on his name, but the former – San Diego State um, defensive coordinator, right, Rocky Long. And that yeah. was like a great hire. And now all of a sudden he's gone. And they like still have Danny Gonzalez for some reason, who's a defensive mind. And it's just bad. And like I think their top three defensive players transferred out. So the vibes are really bad in New Mexico. Yeah, he's getting canned after this year, the coach, right? Yeah. All right, so we got two teams left. I'd like to end with UNLV. Um, so let's talk Wyoming. We got um, – I get, you know, this was an offense that like felt pretty cool because like Titus Swen was used a lot and like in previous years, there's been some fantasy relevant guys. Does Harrison Whaley take over as that like fantasy relevant player for Wyoming? Or, you know, it feels like he's being underdrafted. So I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what is the negative here? So he transfers from Northern Illinois. He presumably takes over as the running back one, but doesn't feel like he's being drafted that way. JD, are you drafting him as like the running back one or are you cautious? I think I've, I've been overly cautious. And then when I did the Mountain West write up for the guide, I, uh, I became way more bullish on him just because like Wyoming is so simple, right? Like it's going to be the running back if it's going to be anyone. And like they lose their top wide receivers. Like there's nothing in the passing game, the same quarterback, the same everything. Um, I, I think the only drawback for Whaley is like if he's going to be RB1, I, I think it's a question. They have three good running backs. So it's like maybe they would split the carries, right? They have Dwayne McNeely is solid, uh, and they have DQ James, who's a burner. Like, he's going to get a handful of carries. Um, so that was kind of in my mind. Like, I'm not sure he's the RB1, but the more I looked at it, like he has a better track record than, than those guys, right? He's proven he can be a bit of a workhorse, even though I know he's kind of broken down before, right? He, he, he's a good pass catcher. Um, in Wyoming, like, they returned, like, 20 starters or something crazy. Like, the defense is going to – like, they return everything on the defense. So – in my opinion, they're going to be even more Wyoming than they've ever been Wyoming, right? Like, Bulls <laughs> just going all in. Um, so I became I became more bullish on Whaley. I think there's there's the drawback where it's a talented room and, and he, he hasn't really stayed healthy before. But, like, if he stays healthy, I mean, it's a pretty clear, like, 1,300 yards in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah I um, the pro- I think the price is right, um, no pun yeah. intended. Like, I was guilty of paying – the way too high premium for Swan last year. Like the bar was too high for him to, to reach that in that offense without everything going immaculately. Uh, but not like between not rounds nine and 11 for Whaley, but that's fine. That's cool. Um, I think we're all talking ourselves into him now more, just kind of running through this exercise. Um, but with, am I correct recalling that either one or both of, DQ James and McNeely got hurt slash very hurt at the end of last year. Um, they, they were on their like seventh string running back for the bowl game. I think it was <laughs> six. String. They didn't have a, a guy who had a single carry in the bowl game against the high. And I think they won the bowl game too, right? It was the barstool. 
yeah, yeah, that yeah, was that Arizona Bowl. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Good call. But yeah, so we haven't really seen those guys. So maybe if those guys were healthy in the bowl, they would have gone for like 200 yards. The staff yeah, seems to like them. Well, that's a commonality with uh, Wyoming, right? Didn't Levi Williams do that out of nowhere at Wyoming? Did I make that up? Wasn't Levi know. Williams from Wyoming? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he lit Kent, Kent State on fire in the year before. I think it was Georgia State. He lit on fire. Dude, uh, Andrew, you can't leave me hanging like that. I had just total doubt after making that comment. <laughs> we are the Levi Williams gang. They, they traded him. He was in the Peasley trade. They traded him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe one day. That Wouldn't that be – I can't wait. Maybe one day there's trades in college football. We'll see. Uh, so right. I guess, sorry, one more thing, Kay. Before I do, because we were positive on Whaley. I guess another drawback I had is like X Valaday, right? I, w- I was too high on him the year he was being drafted highly. Was that two years ago? And then he goes to Arizona State and no one expects anything and he blows up. So it's like, are, is that in the back? Because that's in the back of my mind. Like I've been too high on Valaday before. Whaley's probably not as good as Valaday. Does that, does that give you any pause at all? My only pause here is that, like, the offense is just so bad that, like, and, like, they they very confidently know that their running back room is the best, right? Like, they have three very decent to good players, relatively speaking. So my pause is that they do hammer the run, but it they do mix it up enough. Okay. You know, when you have three running backs, it just worries me that they start using multiples. You've like read that. the recruiting story of Whaley to Wyoming, right? Yeah, yeah, Chris. It's basically he goes in the portal. The coaches from Wyoming are like just immediately call him up because they're like, "You're that dude that burned us for two twenty a couple of years ago and didn't break a sweat. Like, come over here. Well, you'll like we we really want you. We'll do, like we'll uh, do whatever we can as far as Wyoming can go. Whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it was not like uh, he like sometimes it feels like guys going to portal and they just long winding path find their way onto a campus eventually. Like he was actively recruited to go there, presumably like not through the lens of, Hey, come here and battle DQ James and uh, Dwayne McNeely for carries. Like I'm sure they sold them on it, uh, which I mean, who knows what that really means, but um, you could without too much difficulty, drop a story where he's going to be featured. Okay. So maybe the only negative there is, or like the drawback would be more that it's just such a bad offense. They just don't score enough for him to be super valuable, but wrapping it up, UNLV, um, Aiden Robbins out. He went to BYU, which I am a big fan of, uh, only because he proved me wrong while he was at UNLV. They replaced him with Vincent Davis, which is like, if you could replace a guy with another guy and make it like the complete polar opposites, it feels like Vincent Davis is that guy, right? Like six Robbins is like six, four, two forty, Right. And Vincent Davis is like five, eight, a buck 80. Am I correct in that? Like what, what is this fit JD? Like there's no possible way that he gets the heavy uses that Robin's got. Right. I don't think so. And yeah, cause it's going to be him. And then the other guy, the returner, Courtney Reese the metrics again, were way better than I thought they'd be, but he's like a buck 70. So you got a buck 70, a buck 80. You're going to a Texas OC that uh, sounds like he wants to throw the ball around a little more. You got a dual threat running back. Um, I, I get, I could see people trying to chase, Robbins from last year was way too cheap, right? But I agree with you. I just don't see it being a perfect fit. Like, it's a scheme change. We're now multiple years removed from the Charles Williams scheme, right? I, I just kind of – I see the offense changing a little bit. Yeah, maybe this is a passing game bump because Davis is good in the passing game, if I remember, right? Like, he was like that pit running back that was good in the passing game. They have Brumfield, who is, like, to me, feels very, like, 
legitimate for college football quarterbacks, right? Like, Andrew, are you on Brumfield at all, or do you have a running back take here? Brumfield, I think, is a perfect example of the type of quarterback you're going to want to play early on in season in anywhere you own him and or in DFS. Like, he, I think, can be really awesome. In, in, like, Marion is actually implementing his go-go offense, right? Uh, or at least I've, I've assumed he is. Um, lots of quarterback running. Um, like it all seems like it kind of follows through the quarterback, which, and I don't know, I, I feel like don't, don't let me put words in your mouth if they're not true JD, but I feel like you're a Brumfield fan. Um, and every time I've watched him, I'm like, this dude is, is talented. He can, uh, like use his legs is, I like what he does with his arm. Um, problem is right. Dude has made a glass and now we're talking about an offense that is heavily built around running the quarterback. So how far, how long into the season before this dude goes down, which he does every single year and misses multiple games. But for the games he's able to see, see through from beginning to end, I think he's going to be highly productive. Yeah. I am a Brumfield guy. I, I like him in the later rounds. Like he kind of has what I'm looking for, like as an underrated asset, right? Like health wise, I don't think people realize how effective he was against bad defenses at times. And like you said, he's playing enough bad defenses this year. You can kind of like, you can see it in your head, right? It's like, how Tagovailo has been at Maryland, right? If he's playing a legit defense, sit him. If he's playing a crap team, he could get 28 points. But Brumfield's like a legit dual threat. And yeah, I agree with you. I think he looks really good. Um, like I was at the San Jose State game where he went down in like the first quarter and that offense fell apart and I was not expecting it, right? Because they have, they have experienced guys behind him. They have five-star Harrison Bailey, right? They have Cam Friel was like the, the Mountain West freshman of the year. I didn't expect the offense to fall apart and it was totally different. Um, sometimes you give credence to what the, opposing uh, coaching staff say right like they've been like super you know effervescent about him like he's just like he's a game changer with it like i want to put words in their mouth but they've been using like words that like make like you have to game plan for him like he is the offense um and i i think it's a perfect fit with um with what's his name um marion and the wide receivers are good dude they got ricky white they got jeff weimer um they got rafael de jesus the five six dude in the slot who went for a million yards in the spring game so um so yeah i i think he's got everything i'm looking for like there's a lot of ifs, but that's the reason, like, it's a cheap asset, right? If there's the health, right? If all, all the ifs, but you can easily see him averaging 25 fantasy points a game out of, out of quote unquote nowhere. Weimer just went to the portal, if I recall correctly. Um, I'm on the fence on, like, I, I think I lean toward Ricky White over the, the Jesus guy. I can craft a conspiracy theory in my head that they got the Jesus all those targets so that they could put together the story of this guy had a great spring game. And then he proposed to his fiance right afterward. And you don't want to be proposing after you go to catches for 19 yards. Right. So maybe they just kind of ran up his stat line to like, make it a, make it a real win, real winning day for him to really beef up the story where they talk to their <laughs> grandkids about it in 50 years. Right. I could but, buy it. I didn't have that <laughs> same conspiracy going through my head, but I did think I'm like, was he planning on like doing it that day, or did he only like this is the biggest is this game like of a his chicken life? egg thing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking because I could see the hype around him, and I'm like, I don't know. He's like five seven, and the biggest game of his life was in the spring game, and yeah, you know, I, I don't want to be negative. Like, congrats to the guy, but um, but yeah, I, similar thoughts, similar thoughts. Yeah, a little fishy. They have a, they do have a good receiving group, like college speaking, right? Like I think Ricky White, I don't know his NFL prospects. I, that's not my thing at all, but like he's very, very serviceable to very, very solid for a college ball receiver. He had a bunch of big games, and who's the other guy that was there? Kyle Williams, right? Like they had like two really 
pretty good receivers. And now Kyle Williams is at Washington State. So maybe Ricky White, I don't know where he's being picked in drafts these days. And maybe he's like a little bit underrated because if they're going to just be passing a bunch and just try to go, try to move fast, like why would you not want the receiver one? So I buy it, dude. I think it's all positive. And, you know, Robbins isn't there to like, he caught a lot of passes too. Like he was the focal point. Like I think it's clear that this offense needs a focal point and like the market's high on UNLV, dude. Their win total is what, like six and a half? seven like it's they're supposed to be a winning team and if this is if this team is winning games like there's no way they get there without Brumfield being awesome there's no way they win seven so Chris you finished your thought before that was was it yeah just straight up I didn't know what the win total was but like everybody's got to be on Brumfield if they think seven wins is possible that feels really high like it does I like I'm I'm positive like I feel good as well from a vibes perspective especially like think goodness we have a royal at the door at this point but i don't know i haven't looked at the schedule and like schedule is so crucial when it comes to like thinking about how wind holders are going to be set and how they're going to play out and whatnot but i don't know that feels it just feels like a number that's going to be difficult to attain so they have a pretty typical schedule um they have bryant to start they play at michigan they play home against vandy which Ooh. is super interesting because it's like, okay, well, you're playing an SEC school, but you're like, it's not like Van, it's at home. It's not like Vandy is like world beaters by any means. Like, it's is like that a good a game? competitive game where like you yeah. could actually go back and forth. And yeah. I was going to say, Michigan, it looks bad. Ricky White's the Michigan beater, right? Didn't he have like 200 yards? <laughs> so, you when he was at Michigan there. State, he had like a yeah. huge game. So, I mean, I think we can all agree that's not going to happen. But I mean, like for a non conference schedule, they play at UTEP. Um, they should just Vanderbilt. sniff around field in the Michigan game. Like, you don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then they they play your your typical Mountain West schedule. Um, home against San Jose State, which is home against Colorado State, home against Hawaii. So, some like maybe some favorite like of the home games. That's kind of some of the ones you want to give yourself a shot. Home against Wyoming. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right, so we typically end this with uh, what the what are we the most confident on, whether it's team, player, fantasy-focused, anything. You could hit us with anything. This coach is fired, or this guy is going to be a top 30 receiver, whatever, right? I'll kick it to Andrew first to give yourself a second, J.D. What are you most confident, Andrew, with the Mountain West? That Halani doesn't come back for another year next year. Like, I... <laughs> I, I didn't read all the granular details of this conversation that I, I feel like um, like you, you put you you're leading the tinfoil hat crew with this stupid two years yeah. of eligibility thing. Like, I, I don't know. I think we can all just kind of do the math and like not trying to try to invent that this guy somehow has an extra year after this year. What I'm most confident on is George Halani does not play college football in 2024. Okay. JD, what do you got? You got something or you need another minute, another 30 seconds? Um, I think I'm going to go. I felt like I was the most confident when I was talking about uh, Justice Ross Simmons. So I'll go with him Um, again this year. We'll see about this year, but I'm going to say I feel most confident that he's like my favorite value in dynasty leagues in this conference. I think I think he's an underrated dynasty asset. I will say I was between two, so I'll talk about both. But I guess I guess the most. The thing I'm most confident in is that everybody's way too high on Colorado State. Not that Ross Simmons is a bad option. Darn. <laughs> but I just think relatively speaking about like, I think we're at the point of the offseason where it's like, what's the cool thing to talk about? And it's like, 
Colorado State's like so good, right? Like I think they will obviously they'll be better, like one hundred percent. But like to me, Millen is at best a decent floor guy. You know, like they don't have a running back that's going to provide any value. Tory Horton's awesome, but I mean, it's hard to be a top five fancy receiver and be in like the worst offense ever. So like, I'm curious, does he, you know, regress a little bit? Simmons is very quality. Does Mellon start sharing the ball a little bit more? That type of thing. Um, The other thing I was thinking about was Hawaii just being like, just awful again. Just like, that was my other thing I was considering. Like, it's Hawaii just like the worst team ever again. They don't even know their own identity, Uh, but I'll stick with Colorado State. Awesome. Well, JD, tell us, uh, you just released real quick before we wrap up where we can find you and then talk about what you guys released over at Debbie Watch. I think it was about a week ago. Um, kind of plug yourself a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you can find my work over at Debbie Watch. Uh, we just released the 2023 CFF guide. So dove into, uh, so Debbie Watch has been doing their conference previews for a while now, right? So this is my second year taken over and i said you know this is so much work and so much you know we dive into all the schemes i give you know the five-year history wide receiver quarterback tight end yada yada uh and then my thoughts on pretty much every player and i said you know what there's so much work that goes into this let's just uh put it into a nice um digestible guide so this year we made it into a guide so uh so yeah that came out last week uh and really really pleased with it really pleased to be done with it now too so i can actually enjoy my summer you know but That's yeah, awesome. thanks for thanks for having me on. I had a lot of fun. This is good. Yeah, appreciate you having you on. I think the more I think Andrew and I would both agree, the more we do these, the more fun it is to have people on, different guests and stuff like that. So appreciate you hopping on to talking about in the West. Not not the sexiest, but there's definitely some some gold out there. And uh, maybe in 12 months we'll be talking about some players a little bit differently. Like oh, well, we should have known better, but here we are. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, thanks for being with us, dude. Yeah, appreciate you hopping on. Hope everybody enjoyed it. We'll talk next week. Uh, I don't know what conference we're doing. That's Andrew's thing. So we'll, but we'll talk then. We'll figure it out and have uh, everybody have a great uh, rest of your week. Thanks, guys.